Welcome back to The Uncomfortable Truth. Today I'm talking about going both ways at once. Yes, going both ways at once. Now, we've seen this. Here's what I mean. I don't know how many of you remember The Wizard of Oz, but there comes a point where Dorothy and her crew, the lion, the tin man, the scarecrow, they find the wizard, and the wizard is simply a man behind a green curtain. And when exposed... The man posing as the wizard says the only thing plausible for him. He says, ignore the man behind the curtain. That's not me. And you can see him actually saying that into the microphone. I used to have a colleague when I worked at a firm in Princeton, one of the managers, and uh, he would go out into bars and really lay one on. It was not unlike him to get somewhat drunk. And we were at a bar in Atlanta once and he got drunk and he was starting to get loud and obnoxious. And the bartender told him he was cut off, I think it's 86th, and to get out. And my colleague Ted said to him, listen, you, I didn't walk in here and I'm not leaving. I still don't know what that means, but I think it's a great line. That same firm, and this might be why I've left it, right? I worked for a manager in the Northeast, one of the uh, champions, all-stars of the company in sales, and one of our clients was a paper company in Canada. It was Canadian International Paper. They had a lot of plants. And he and I and another service guy went up there to meet with the new plant manager. And unbelievable and unusual for those times, the plant manager was a woman. And she came into our meeting. We had uh, circular chairs set up, no tables. And uh, my boss, Sean, was sitting in an em- next to an empty seat which she took, uh, and she had on um, a a very nice professional dress and high heels and hosiery, and she crossed her legs. And Sean was hung over from the night before, and as he began talking to her, he put his hand on her knee. And my colleague and I thought that we would probably be killed or put into the paper machine, but it didn't look good. And as she stared at him icily, she said to him, why is your hand on my knee? And Sean, still hungover, stared at his hand and looked back at her and said to her, that's not my hand. After about three seconds, she began to laugh, and on we went. These are rather strange comments. You know, a lot of people say today, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Interesting way to juxtapose things, don't you think? But deception does not require rationality. And people attempt to deceive us every day with fancy phrases and strange metaphors and words that have three or four different meanings. It only needs to stun you for a while to obstruct a bit to confuse. And then the perpetrator moves on, having bought the time or the angle or the influence that he or she needs. So this is the bloviation of all politicians. You know, it's the persiflage of that particular profession what the American people really need, what the American people really want. And we know, of course, that when you call up and the automated voice says, please listen carefully, we've changed our options, what that really means is nothing's changed, we just don't want you hitting zero or pound or something trying to get to a live person because we don't think you're worth talking to a live person, it's too damn expensive. We have candidates now for governor here in Rhode Island. There are five or six of them. Our former governor has gone to Washington to be Secretary of Commerce. And so a new governor will be elected in November. And this being a small state, you know everyone. And 
four or five of the candidates have called me personally, which isn't unusual. A senator's call, congressman call, they want money. And of the four, I think, candidates for governor who called me, I stopped every one of them and I said to them politely, I said, listen, I think you know that you all sound alike. And I think you know that you're all calling people like me who have contributed before. So let me tell you three things that have to change in this state for what it's worth. Number one is you have to overhaul the school system. You have to get the union back on its heels. Uh, you have to put new administrators in. The Providence school system's a disgrace. And every kid who isn't correctly educated becomes a social liability some years down the road. Either they're not working or performing up to their potential, or they're using drugs or alcohol, or they're in gangs, they're in the, the criminal justice system. We have to cut that off. The second thing is that you have to have much better uh, approaches to small business. Small business is the net number one producer of new jobs, the, first pro the largest producer of net new jobs in any state, including ours. And right now, the bureaucratic regulations are horrible. The taxation is horrible. And the third thing is, we will never really develop this economy until our airport, Providence Airport, has coast-to-coast -coast daily regularly scheduled trips to the West Coast. Right now, you have to go to Boston, or you have to fly Spirit Airlines, and you might as well hire a hot air balloon. And so uh, those were the three things I told these four candidates the same way. And they all said, yes, 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 and then went on talking. Not one of them asked me further questions about my three priorities, which you have to admit are rather heavy and are rather important, I would think, almost anywhere. But not one followed up with a question, which tells me they weren't listening. They just wanted to talk. They just wanted to go both ways at once. I want to say to them, you know, I'd love to vote for you, but I just can't figure out how. That's the uncomfortable truth these days. Have a nice day.